Hi, I'm Rebecca. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Allie, and you're listening to Desk Chair Detectives. Uh, are you ready, Rebecca? <laughs> I am ready. <laughs> we had to do that take like three times. <laughs> um, I hope you're ready to be enraged. Because, no. well, this one is kind of popular in the true crime world, so you've probably heard this one before. Um, so this week, we're talking about a string of serial killings and rapes that happened from 1987 to 1992 in Ontario, Canada. Between these years, there were 24 rapes and attempted rapes and three confirmed murders at the hands of Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka, also known as the Ken and Barbie killers. Yeah. This, I'm really glad you are doing this one. Me too. Because I feel like I know the overview, but I don't mm-hmm. know a lot of like the details. Yes. Yeah. Well, like I said, be prepared to be enraged. <laughs> by these I watched people. like a, a movie, I think, about it. Oh, really? There's a movie? I think so. I'll have to look. But um, yeah, I remember watching something about them and I had to shut it off. <laughs> So, Bernardo and Homolka were a serial rapist and murdering duo that terrorized Scarborough, Ontario in the late 80s and early 90s. They coined the term the Ken and Barbie killers because of their outward appearances, but inside, they're nothing but ugly. And I'm going to tell you why. That was a good line. I'm like, yeah, that was thank you. Did you write that Thank yourself? you so much. Thank you so much. I'm a copywriter. <laughs> That's the line that got her hired. <laughs> find her on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) So Paul Bernardo was born in August of 1964. And as a child, he had a very happy-go-lucky attitude, was very polite, a good student, and participated in extracurricular activities like Boy Scouts. However, underneath that exterior, he was a very disturbed boy. His father was abusive and sexually abused his daughter and other young girls and was charged for sexual molestation in 1975. Bernardo's mother was depressed and lived in the basement of their house because of her husband's abuse. She wasn't around much for Bernardo's life, but when he was 16 years old, his mother told him that he was actually conceived while she was having an affair outside of her marriage. And that disgusted Bernardo and it didn't help his developing thoughts about women and how to treat them so his dad wasn't his real dad is that what she was saying yeah Mm -hmm. but his like father that he knew of was also like sexually abusive towards women as well great so in his teen years Bernardo developed a really dark sexual fantasy He really liked to humiliate women in public, and he verbally abused his mother all the time. And then when he started dating, he enjoyed abusing women physically and mentally. When he went to university, he started reading books and listening to tapes that had like motivational themes about getting rich, famous, and powerful. He was super egotistical and really enjoyed his dominant nature. Mm, My type of guy. Right? (laughs) yeah no thanks (laughs) Uh, another thing that I read about him was that when American Psycho was released the book in 1991 he quote read it as his bible 
So that kind of says a lot about the type of dude that Paul Bernardo was. Horrifying. But, but in 1987, when he was 23, he met 17-year-old Carla Hamolka. So Carla was born in May of 1970. She was six years younger than him. And growing up, she was described as a normal kid. She was one of five and the oldest of three daughters. And people at school saw her as popular, smart, pretty, and an animal lover. So right after she graduated high school in 1987, she got a job working at a vet clinic. And that summer, she went to a work convention in Toronto. And while she was in Toronto for the convention, she met Paul Bernardo. And from then on, he introduced her into his world of horrifying chaos. So Bernardo and Homolka's relationship flourished because she encouraged his sadistic sexual tendencies, something other women he dated never supported before. And some people think that Homolka was just another victim of his because he used manipulation, abuse, and threatened her. But others stand behind the fact that she always had sociopathic tendencies, was just as sadistic as he was, and was with him willingly. So now that I've set the stage for their really volatile relationship, we're going to talk about their criminal history now. So the crimes of the Ken and Barbie killers can be separated into two categories, Bernardo's Scarborough rapist attacks and the schoolgirl killings. So the Scarborough rapist, rapist attacks was something that Carla Homolka encouraged Bernardo to do, but she didn't have a direct role in them. So let's talk about the, the rape, these rape attacks. So this unknown assailant, later to be identified as Bernardo, committed multiple rapes and attempted rapes in and around the Scarborough area in the late 80s and early 90s. He usually attacked most of his victims by stalking them and following them home when they got off buses late at night. And Bernardo is confirmed to have raped or attempted to rape 24 women between the ages of 15 and 21 over a five-year period. Oh, my God. Oh, how did it, did he have like a, like an MO where like he would have like a whole method to it? Yeah. So during most of his attacks, he'd use a knife to threaten and scare his victims. And like I said before, he would stalk women when they got off buses late at night at the local like bus station. So he committed a lot of these crimes actually outdoors after he followed them home after stalking them from the bus station. But sometimes, sometimes he would even break into their houses. And these attacks included rape, beatings, sometimes stabbings, verbal abuse, and other threats. So his victims wouldn't feel like they could go to the police. Oh my God. And uh, I'm sorry, you might've said this, but was he alone doing this or was she there? He was alone for these. He was alone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was actually a time when Bernardo almost got caught in May of 1988. So an investigator that was looking into all of these rapes was hiding at the bus station one night in hopes of catching him. And when Bernardo tried to attack a woman at the bus station that night, the investigator tried to catch him, but Bernardo ran and the investigator couldn't keep up and he actually got away and he never got a good, yeah. And he never got a good picture or like um, representation of who this man was. I couldn't imagine like being that close to like catching him. And he just runs and you can't catch him. Yeah, no, yeah. 
everything else could have exactly that's what have happened right yeah so in may of 1990 bernardo raped a 19 year old woman and after she was attacked she went to the police and described bernardo to police uh she said she had a really vivid memory of her attack so they created a composite sketch of the man that she described and then published it all around toronto um and then July of that year, police received two tips that Bernardo was the man in the composite, and then he was brought in for questioning. So these two tips, one came from a bank employee, and another came from a a woman named Tina. And Tina was actually the wife of one of Bernardo's best friends. And Tina told the police that Bernardo had been accused of rape allegations before, but was never questioned or charged with rape. And she also told them about his deviant sexual fantasies and his like really dark sex life. So when the police brought Bernardo in, in November of that year, he voluntarily provided samples for DNA testing to compare against DNA found on the rape victim's clothes. However, DNA testing was new in Canada in 1990 and Toronto only had one scientist and one technician able to do the testing. And there was over 50,000 samples <gasps> that needed to be analyzed at the time across a whole bunch of different cases. Oh so, my his God. Sam- so his samples weren't tested. Like Canada is way too big to only have one person. <laughs> like right. yeah. so around were- this time, yeah, DNA testing was super new. So I, they didn't have, I guess, any resources to do so anything they at one location. Never ever tested or just like... It took they a weren't long time. The, he it was just backlogged, so they weren't tested at the time that he was brought in for questioning. Oh my god! Wow. But they were tested. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We will get to that later. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so um, he was questioned for thirty-five minutes when they brought him in in November, and after he was questioned, investigators found him more credible than Tina, so he was <gasps> let go. Thirty-five minutes, you said. Yep, 35 minutes. Okay, cool. So, typical. Believe, yeah, nice. typical. And like, <laughs> let's believe the man over the woman. Also. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're feminists, if you didn't know. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> a little. <laughs> so, the police didn't know that they were releasing a man that would kill a month later from this. So, I've talked a lot about Paul Bernardo, and he was the worst offender of the Ken and Barbie killer pair. But while all of this was happening, Carla Homolka encouraged his behaviors and never did or said anything to anyone about her boyfriend's crimes. Like she knew every single thing that was happening. Um, It's also not a surprise if I tell you that Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka had a really toxic relationship. He was a legitimate psychopath that hated women and she fed into all of these behaviors and was a sociopath herself. But to everyone else, they had a really like picture perfect relationship. Um, By 1990, Bernardo and Homolka were engaged and living at her parents' house. And the Homolka family adored Bernardo. So while they were living together, Bernardo started to form an attraction to Carla's 15 year old sister, Tammy. No. And after a while, it turned (laughs) into a really sick obsession, and Carla fed in to that obsession. So Bernardo would break into Tammy's room at night and watch her sleep. 
And that was something that Carla facilitated. She would break her oh windows so Bernardo would have easy access to her. And they, they yeah. Sorry, I just have a question. How, yeah, do you yeah. know how old they were at this point? Like, I know Tammy was 15. Uh, Carla was 20 and he was 26. <sighs> yes. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Um, not great things. Mm-mm. So um, they would also bring Tammy along to parties with them and their friends. Like, he's 26. She's 20. She's a 15-year-old girl. And they're bringing Tammy no. and all of her friends no, along why, to parties with them. Why wouldn't you bring and, a 15 year old to hang out with a bunch of 26 year olds? Yeah. And they would like let her get drunk. And then Carla would let Bernardo take advantage of her. <gasps> On one occasion, Carla oh. stole Valium from the vet office she worked at and fed no. Tammy laced spaghetti sauce. So she would <gasps> lose consciousness. And after she was unconscious, Bernardo raped Tammy while <gasps> Carla watched. Um, but Tammy was only asleep for a minute before she began to wake up, so the rape stopped. But what? on December 23rd, 1991, Bernardo wanted to make sure that Tammy wouldn't wake up the second time. So just... the homo, yeah, it, it, be prepared. <laughs> Please be yeah. prepared for yourself. Um, the Homolka family was hosting a holiday party on December 23rd, and earlier on in the day, Carla stole sedatives from her work and spiked her sister's drink during the holiday party. So Carla brought Tammy to Bernardo when she was losing consciousness, and then she pressed a cloth soaked with halothane to her face to make sure that she would stay asleep. So the two of them began to rape Tammy while they videotaped it. And the whole family is just like in the living room. Like there's a holiday party going on down this. This was like after the party was over, like while there was like a couple people left, but her parents were asleep upstairs and they lived downstairs in the basement. So this is where it took place. So I just like, like, how do you do that to your, your sister like anyone alone, anyone at all human, but, but your, sister. your sister but yeah take yeah. a take a breath for this mm. so mm. according to carla these events were supposed to be a gift to bernardo she viewed this like she was giving tammy's virginity to bernardo for christmas because when they but. first met bernardo was upset that carla wasn't a virgin so she wanted to give him tammy to make up for that Shut the fuck up. Like a gift card would have been a fine <laughs> Tickets to a sporting event uh, or a concert. Literally anything so, else. Anything else. <laughs> so that's that's where that came from. So, I mean, anybody that thinks she was forced into this is seriously disturbed. Yeah. So while Bernardo and Homolka were assaulting Tammy, she started to throw up. And when her condition worsened, Bernardo and Homolka cleaned up, hid the tape, all other evidence, and called 911. And then Tammy was dead only a couple hours later. So despite Bernardo and Homolka cleaning up this crime scene in the middle of the night and the chemical burn that was on Tammy's face, officials ruled Tammy's death accidental after choking on vomit from drinking alcohol what she had burns on her face 
despite that and the two of them going back to the house to feverishly clean up everything, they ruled this accidental. So after Tammy's death, Bernardo and Homolka moved out of the family's house and then the schoolgirl killings began. Oh my God. So on June 15th, 1991, Bernardo found 14-year-old Leslie Maffey. She was locked out of her house after missing curfew from the night before. And Bernardo approached her and she actually asked him for a cigarette when he went up to her. And when he led her to his car, he kidnapped her and brought her home to Homolka. When they brought when she, when he brought Leslie home, they videotaped them torturing and sexually assaulting Leslie. After the assault, Homolka gave Leslie a lethal dose of a sedative and Bernardo strangled her. They then dismembered Leslie's body and dumped her into a nearby lake where they weighed her down with cement blocks. On June 29th, the father and son were out fishing on that lake and they discovered concrete blocks that were encased with body parts. Oh my God. When, when the police identified Leslie and the investigation began, Bernardo and Homoko were on their honeymoon in Hawaii. So while all of this was happening back in Canada, they were living it up, celebrating their newlywed lives. Their beautiful love and life together. Oh my God. So this investigation went on for nearly a year and the FBI profiled that Leslie's serial killer was a sexual predator and would most likely kill again. So on April 16th, 1992, Bernardo and Homolka found another victim, 15-year-old Kristen French, when she was walking home from school. Homolka approached her with a map asking her for directions and when Kristen looked down at the map, Bernardo attacked her from behind and threatened her with a knife to get into the car. Over that weekend, Bernardo and Homolka tortured and sexually assaulted Kristen, all on videotape. Ugh. Since Kristen had the same routine every day after school, her parents notified the police of her disappearance right away. Police even had multiple witnesses that saw this abduction, and they even found Kristen's shoe on her route home. However, on April 30th, Kristen's body was found in a ditch 45 minutes from her school. Investigators found that her body had been washed, her hair was cut off, and she died from strangulation. Oh, poor baby. They actually, um, I know like killers like to cut hair off of yeah. women to like deface them, but it was later said by Carla Homolka that they actually cut her hair so police would have a harder time identifying her <gasps> that is just creepy yeah so while all these killings were happening bernardo was questioned multiple times in relation to the scarborough rapist cases but people but police found him to be a really unlikely suspect also during this time bernardo's relationship with homolka started to get more abusive so in december of 92 Carla went into work with injuries she said were from a car accident. Her coworkers got worried about her and notified her parents. It turned out that Bernardo beat Homolka severely with a metal flashlight and she had horrible injuries to her head, face, and limbs. She was then forcibly removed from her home with Bernardo and her parents took her to the hospital. When she was at the hospital, she filed charges against Paul Bernardo. 
And in that same month, December of 92, Bernardo's DNA samples were finally tested in connection to the Scarborough rapist cases. And he was a match. 26 months after they gave him. I was going to say, how long was it? <laughs> 26 months after he gave the sample. Oh, my God. Now I'm not good so, at math. Yeah. That's, that's like two years. Over two years. Yeah. Yeah. So when he turned out to be a match, the police placed him on a 24-hour surveillance and had his phone tapped while police tried to get Homolka to cooperate with authorities. So they didn't go in right away because they had her and she was fi- and she was filing charges against him for abuse. So they wanted to try to get her to talk before they went after him for these things to see if she would talk about other things. Yeah. Why do I feel like she is going to drop the charges? Just, just she waits. Oh no. So Carla Homolka didn't talk at first. She didn't want to. But when she realized her connection to these cases and these crimes, and after talking to lawyers, she did agree to testify against him. But she wanted immunity. She wanted immunity in return. No. (laughs) The Ontario Attorney General essentially said, absolutely not. You will not get immunity. Yeah. But a reduced sentence was on the table. So in February of 93, she agreed to the terms and was interrogated by police. She told them that Bernardo kidnapped Leslie from her own front yard and lured Kristen into their car. She went on to say that both girls were treated like sex slaves for Bernardo. And Homolka gave gruesome accounts on how both Leslie and Kristen were treated and said they were both strangled to death. She also blamed Bernardo for her sister Tammy's death. So on February 17th, Bernardo was arrested for the murders of Leslie Maffey, Kristen French, and the Scarborough rapes. So while she was being interrogated by police, Homolka told them that she was abused physically and mentally and was forced to partake in these crimes because she was living in fear of her husband. Mm-hmm. When, pol- yeah. when police searched their house, they found a list of names that were all the victims in the Scarborough rapes, a hunting knife, handcuffs, Mm. books of a quote, deviant sexual nature, and a videotape of Bernardo and Homolka sexually assaulting two women. And that tape showed that Homolka was a willing participant, that she wasn't forced. What an idiot. But on July 6th, 93, Homolka was convicted on two counts of manslaughter in the cases of Leslie Moffey and Kristen French. She pled guilty as a part of that deal and was sentenced to two 12-year terms served concurrently. Not long enough. Bullshit, yeah. Additional tapes were turned over to the police in September of 1994 that showed the sexual assault and tortures of Tammy Homolka, Leslie Moffey, and Kristen French. Those tapes showed Carla Homolka once again, a willing participant, not being forced into anything or afraid of her husband, like she previously told police. So when the media heard that these tapes existed and her role in these crimes, Homolka's trial was coined as a deal with the devil because she only got 12 years in jail for her role in these crimes because she agreed to testify against Bernardo for a shorter sentence. And because of the deal, 
she was ineligible to receive any more jail time despite what the tape showed could you imagine her parents like sitting in the courtroom and having to see like I don't know if they showed the footage and stuff but like seeing what your one of your children did to another one of your children that like resulted in their death. right can't even imagine that oh so Carla Homolka was actually released from jail in 2005 oh <gasps> bitch where is she <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you where, where is she <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell you she moved to Montreal after she got out of jail and gave birth to a son in 2007 Oh, joy. Yeah. Allie's writing down. <laughs> I'm going to take those notes. <laughs> Do you have her address? <laughs> she, so after she gave birth to her son, she moved to Guadalupe with her husband, who, by the way, was a brother of one of her lawyers. <gasps> Ew. And then she, she took up a new name and identity so people wouldn't know who she was. When she was in Guadalupe, she had two more children, but she was discovered there in 2012 and went back to Canada. So when she went back to Canada, she was constantly bombarded with reporters and press. And when her kids went to school, her the school and all of the school parents were really concerned with her presence. And she would also volunteer to like chaperone school trips, which oh, made all of the parents yeah. be like, what the fuck? Which yeah, no. I totally understand. Um, so good luck with that. But as of 2020, it's been reported that she's living alone without her children or a husband somewhere in Canada. You don't get to go from being like a monster to a class mom in a yeah. elementary school. It's just... that's, that's what she did for years. She tried to live a normal life because she only got 12 years in jail for murdering women. I so, hate her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So Paul Bernardo's trial began in May of 1995, and it lasted four months. And Carla Homolka spent 17 days on the stand as a witness and testifying against him. So Paul Bernardo was found guilty of all charges, and they were two counts each of first-degree murder, kidnapping, forcible confinement, and aggravated sexual assault, and one count of committing an indignity to a human body. He was sentenced to life in prison with possible parole in 2018. So in 2018, Bernardo was denied parole. Okay, good. Within 30 minutes of of them (laughs) deliberating. God bless. And then he was eligible for parole again in June of 2021. No. And after one hour of deliberation, he was denied again. Okay, I was like, don't do that. (laughs) 2020 and 2021 were rough year we don't need anything (laughs) so um it's likely that he will never ever be released because he is a serial offender and he is too dangerous and that's what the deliberation committee committee were saying when they were trying to figure out if he should get parole but um it's likely he will never see the light of day ever again how old is he oh he was born in 60 like 58 59 is my math correct? What year? Someone, get, my Someone get a calculator. So he would be in his 60s now. Early 60s. 2021. Not that I don't believe you, Allie. I'm going to say 60. I said 50, 50. I think it's 63. What year was he born? 
64. Oh, 64. I thought you said 58. Yeah. 57. 57. Okay. I must have missed it. I thought you said he was born in 58. I was like, God, it took us one minute to do like math. I was never good. (laughs) But you need a PowerPoint to look pretty. I'm your girl. You need someone to do math. Go somewhere else. I just punched the desk. (laughs) So pissed. I don't know math. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's the Ken and Barbie killer story that I have for you. It's worse than I imagined. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always so much worse when you go into it and you really dive deep into what these people did. On any case, it, it makes it so much worse than you originally thought. I had oh, heard, yeah. I knew the sister thing. I knew that. Yeah, that's the part I knew. Yeah. And there were like, I didn't want to make this like super long. There were so many other incidents of him like, attempting to kill people attempting to rape people like he had 24 confirmed rapes but other sources said like it could have been up to 30 or more like like there how many didn't report it and didn't exactly i can't believe have you seen the um the police sketch versus a picture i didn't i didn't see the police sketch I can put that. I'll try to find that and put that as like the picture that goes with the post. Okay, well, <laughs> well, they got two tips. A bank employee that didn't even know him was like, I think that's the guy. So I, it's got to be close. Poor Tina. I know. Like, I didn't this believe guy Tina. is no good. Ugh. She I had uh, an instinct. There is a movie and I thought I remembered it. I don't think I finished it and I don't know if it's because it made me uncomfortable or, or if it because it, it was not a good movie but um misha collins from that show supernatural and um what's her name laura preppin from oh, that's a show yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah yeah she they were the couple they were the kind of barbie killers and i remember no, like shit. seeing her and that's why I was like, I have a vague memory of watching something, but I know I didn't finish it. So I can't actually tell you if it was worth watching, but it exists. Oh man. Yeah. I, this one's pretty popular. Like a lot of like our favorite podcasts and stuff, yeah. like they, they cover this case, but I thought it was a good one to talk about. Yeah. And now everybody listening can also hate Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. And we can all be on the lookout for fucking Carla. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I tried to figure out what she was doing now, but there was no um, nothing on her. Maybe she took up a new identity and moved somewhere else again. A different cur- island. I don't know. I'm curious to know, like, the pe- people that do, like, get away with that stuff, if they take up, if there's ever been any cases where, like, they take up a new identity and then they end up doing the same thing and getting arrested again under her the same identity like the new identity you know what I mean Mm. well I wouldn't I wouldn't I feel like she probably took up a new identity like not legally like I feel like like the witness protection program like they give it to people who are deserving (laughs) he looks great so that was the it's a pretty I mean it's 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 pretty pretty accurate illustration is like kind of cool looking the style they did it in yeah but that's not bad like the nose the nose and the mouth yeah the eyes and the eyeballs yes even the ears i mean i wouldn't call him a ken no they straightened his hair 
for the drawing. <laughs> Look I mean, up their wedding had, photo. Like, yeah. blonde hair, I guess. Yeah, the yeah, wedding they, photo was pretty. Yeah, the wedding photo. Oh god, I hate looking at them. Fucking losers. They're so creepy looking. Is that him? Yeah. How do you get your ear pierced in jail? Can we talk about that? Why does he get to wear a dangly earring in jail? Yeah, I can't have my cartilage pierced for a volleyball game in high school, but prisoners can have (laughs) dangly earrings. Like, let me know. (laughs) God. Rot in jail. Damn, there's a lot of creepy pictures. I know, I don't like yeah. them. Yeah, let's stop looking. Soulless eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you did a great job. Yeah, very good Thank job. Thank you. Rebecca. And we're going to take a little break for the holiday. And then we'll come back with Allie. Okay, guys. Okay, well, I hope you have a really good time on vacation. And I hope you come back Thank with one you. of your hands a little heavier than before. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. We'll see. We'll see. If he doesn't, I'll just leave him there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay, bye. 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 Resources for this episode include the Canadian Encyclopedia, article written by Edward Butts, all that's interesting.com article written by Katie Serena in wikipedia.com. Desk chair.